Welcome to the Hope Connection and Relief Podcast. I am Carlos Hidalgo, your host for today, and I have with me my good friend, long-term collaborator, and someone that I have learned a whole lot from, Sangram Vadre. Welcome to the show. Thanks, bud. Carlos, so good to see you, man. Like, like, I wish I could just give you a hug, uh, but I know we can't right now, so uh, good to see right? you. This whole idea of social distancing is getting a little old, and it's interesting. I think the irony of through our platforms and our phones, we've been social distancing for years. Yeah. And now that we are in the height of a pandemic, the thing we crave the most is human connection. Yeah, we, we're going back to how we were made, why we were made, and what's most important. What, what's also interesting to me, quite honestly, is also the fact that of all things, the only thing you can be right now is with your family. Right. And that is to me such a God thing uh, in, in all craziness that we get to be with the ones that you care the most and that's who you need to be. Like you, 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 people could have, like I could have got a million dollars and I would use that to go travel and uh, be speaking and writing books and do all the stuff away from my family. And now you're required to be. So I, I just feel like it's such a fascinating and beautiful thing. It is definitely a fascinating thing, definitely a beautiful thing. I have actually, if my schedule was uh, what it was supposed to be, I would have been on a plane back from overseas today. And my wife and I, Suzanne and I were talking about that today over breakfast, where I'm like, I'm so glad I'm home and I'm not on an airplane right now. It's crazy as it is. Yeah, we, we, we all still love to get out, but uh, it definitely is reminded of what's important. Absolutely. So Sangram, uh, I've known you for a long time. Uh, we're, we're, we're good friends. We've done a lot together. We share thoughts. We exchange content. We uh, are very philosophical at times. But for those who don't know you, give us a little background. Who are you? Tell us Tell us about yourself. Oh, man, that's so hard to, to talk about yourself, right? Like it's the hardest thing to do is to say, well, look, here's what I've done. So I, I, I'll just give a quick uh, rundown uh, for, for, the, for most of the people who who what what's probably worth knowing is um, like five years ago, I started a company called Terminus um, and we've been doing fine uh, right now with everything going on. Prior to that, I ran marketing at Pardot um, and then we got acquired by Exact Target and then Salesforce. So I got to spend a couple of years at Salesforce, which led to a really interesting way of thinking about how you start a company, how you create a movement, how you build a community and all those things. So that's really what Terminus and, and the Flip Mafia movement really helped me learn. Um, I don't know how I ended up writing two books in the last five years while building a startup uh, organization. Um, and I'm, I'm just loving, loving life. I got a beautiful wife, two kids. Uh, we are, we're just together right now, every moment. So anytime they could be jumping on over here. So we got to live with that. Bring them on. I'm all about it. We'll have a little flavor on the podcast today. So it's interesting. I mean, your your company Terminus, and for those who don't know, in the sales and marketing space, you guys are very well known. You personally are well known because you have been one of the biggest advocates and evangelists for an approach to how we should do marketing. As you mentioned, you wrote two books. Uh, you're a frequent uh, and I would say sought after speaker. So you do a lot of events, and your company does your own event series. Yeah. And so how are you as a business founder from startup now, five years later, a traveler, how do you stay grounded at home 
in the midst of realizing really great professional achievement? Well, I mean, when, when you look at a macro level, it all sounds great. But when you start piecing it out and saying, well, what really happened and start looking at the micro level every year, every six months, it's actually not as beautiful as it, it might seem, right? Uh, for example, about two years into it, but almost like two and a half years into it, I, I, I just lost it. Mm. Um, I lost everything. I lost, uh, in, in a way, my ability to lead, my ability to, to have a work-life balance, if that, that is such a thing almost everything in it uh, to a point where me and my wife were, were, you know, planning to get divorced. So we have gone through that terrible times. And one of the reasons that happened was because we, uh, I was just trying to be all and, and that's just not a recipe for success. So all that led me to realize that I don't need to be running marketing and sales and customer success and all these things. I don't need to be operational. What I'm, it, it literally required me to go back and look at what am I gifted with? What is the thing, one thing that I can bring to the world that's, that is something that God has gifted me and I need to do and focus more on? And what it ended up being is that just my own enthusiasm and passion to solve this problem is really what what I felt like that's that's why I'm doing what I did with Terminus in the early days. So why not just do that full time? Why get in, go from speaking to a comp conversation on a, uh, with a sales team? Like it's just a very different world. So about two years ago, um, we as a team and a, uh, our executive team and board, we decided like that's not a role for me. And I went from having multiple different uh, departments and functions reporting to like absolutely having zero direct reports, like zero. And it took me six months of personal therapy to realize like, am I a failure? Can I not do this? Like all these things, right? Self-doubt and all that stuff to a point where I'm now right now, I'm like, oh man, this is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> right? like, I get to do all the things I absolutely love, truly do love. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I was able to write two books, uh, able to run this daily podcast, able to go speak, because I'm not worried about selling. I'm not worried about compensation. I'm not worried about all the team building. Is Do we have the right booth? Do, are we at the right place? I'm really focused on what problem are we solving? How are we talking about it? Where are we going as an organization? Maybe big partnerships like with LinkedIn and Facebook that we're trying to do. Just take on bigger projects, but not have day-to-day uh, operational responsibilities and that created a really big time space for me right like my i could start owning my schedule and not let other people own my schedule so in some ways it, it required me to become intentional about the most important thing that i can offer i love that i love that phrase being intentional of really because i i don't I guess I look at intentional, what you just said is being intentional with yourself of what am I good at? What am I passionate about? What am I gifted in? And kind of what I heard in there was what I call the death of Superman. <laughs> coming, coming to that, ter- that, that realization of, yeah, I'm not Superman. I'm not gifted in every, all these areas. I'm not gifted in all these ways. And I've got to let some of those things go so I can really use my gifts. What I write about the one note I took from Kelly Flanagan, the author, that let's go play the heck out of that one note and do it to the best of our ability. We all, Carlos, I think you've realized this as well, and I have, is we all really, truly 
are probably good at just one thing. Right. And not at, I mean, if you, if somebody's very gifted, then maybe two, right? So for us to have the audacity to think that we can do it all and make it all happen is foolishness. And it only comes with gray hair and broken bone that we all figure out that's true. And we, everybody wants to figure it out for themselves because we all feel like we're born Superman or Superwoman. So it, it, but it is, it, it is, it is something that I think we have to wrestle with. Um, I wrote about this maybe maybe two years ago when I went through that six month phase of self doubt, self pity, self all, all those things that comes with self self outside of self awareness. I went through all the self uh, self thing, self loathing, all that stuff. Where I said, or I needed to remind and reframe myself that what I what's happening is that I am. I'm not failing. I'm letting go. I'm letting it go. The things that I'm not trying to do, I'm letting go of it. I'm not failing. And I have to reframe my mind to that. It's like, I'm letting go of these responsibilities because I'm better at this. And here are the people who are better at this. I'm letting go of this team running because I'm better for the business to be doing what I do. But it didn't come. It, it was like death by like 100 cuts going through that process of realizing it's like, well, I can't go do that. Like, it's not better. Like, it, it's just self-doubt and all that stuff that we surround with. But now I'm like, man, if I were to go start another thing, that's how I would do it. It's like, hey, I want to own, not run. I'm not a runner. I'm like, I just can't do the daily operational thing. But I will put my heart, soul, mind, blood, everything into just evangelizing and getting the word out. And that's something building a community around a problem, whatever that might be. And the combination is really what I'm looking to do ever again if, if I were to go start another company. Such a powerful thing to shift of I'm failing to I'm letting go. Yeah. I, I love that because I think it, it just speaks to the person you are and how you're viewing yourself. You talked a lot about the changes you made professionally, but you also just referred to your marriage where you guys, much like Suzanne and I were about four and a half years ago at the doorstep of a divorce. So what were the changes at home you had to make in, in those intimate relationships with your wife and your children? Ton, um, ton. And, and, and still to date, I'm like it's, it's not there uh, in every way, shape or form. Um, but like simple stuff like, you know, every Friday, and this is like, like literally, let's just talk about what's happening right now. And now, even now I'm realizing, oh my God, I'm back to this. I'm working longer every day because we're just home and all those things. Right. So I'm switching off my phone around 7 PM on Friday and not picking up until Sunday afternoon. I literally switch it off because I'm the problem. Right. So. I'm switching it off 7 p.m. Friday, not picking up until Sunday after church around like 2 or 3 p.m. And then I will sit for two hours and just because I want my week to be stacked up. I, I want to know what to do and whatnot. So I want that Sunday time. I think it's important for me to prep for a better week. So I learned that. But then I could just be, be present with the moments, right? So, so that, that is one of the things. Um, we as a family, we have a tradition. It's been almost a year now. Every Saturday morning, we'll sit around the table and write cards and write the one thing that we want to talk about that is that has been really good for 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 
for yourself or for each other or for in our lives. Um, so it, it started just, we have like stacks of art and we believe, we think that imagine like, you know, 10 years from now, not hopefully not that, 50 years from now, when we had gone, our kids would actually have these stacks of cards and they could read what mom and dad wrote about them in those cards around like how much we love them and how much we believe in them and how all that, that kind of stuff. When I used to travel a lot, especially last year, I would write a card and my son would write a card for every day I'm gone that my wife would receive from us. Um, so know that, hey, look, I'm doing this because I love what I do. I'm proud of what I do. But I recognize that you have a lot more work to do at home when I'm gone, like double, if not not triple. So, so there are like all these little things that I just never thought or was never intentional about that became so apparent as to like, let's just be present in the moment, do things that are important, do the work that is important, but not at the cost of it. Just, just make sure that you can understand the boundaries, as you said, the boundaries between the two and draw it and switching off the phone the very first time on a Friday, 7 p.m. was really hard, really hard. And then every few, because our body had that reflex moment now in memory. So I would just look at a dead phone every 10 minutes because I couldn't, like I'm not switching it on. And it took like almost 24 hours for me to get out of that rehab uh, situation of not so, so like I could go through like tons, but these are like small things that we just started to embed in our lives, and without having a moments and times to to think about it, just sit and think, we can't implement these things. We're too distracted for that. You're so right, and I love that you and your wife are fostering already with your children the spirit of authenticity, presence, and vulnerability, because that's what is so foundational to a true relationship. And I, I think you guys will receive that back in spades as your children grow and get older. So congrats to you guys for doing that. And as you said, it is a journey. I think anytime you're in relationship, you're always learning, you're always adapting, you're looking at yourself. And it's, Suzanne and I refer to it as a practice. You know, I don't think we ever arrive at this place where I have mastered relationship because we're human. Yes, and we will mess up and uh, we would go to like, for example, last two and a half months, three months since we have been in a situation, we used to have like date nights and all these things that were really important. We don't remember like five minutes like spending with each other, right? Like for the last two and a half months because everybody's everywhere, right? The whole right. family's in each other's face the whole time. So like, we're like, okay, well, we're gonna, we, we want to, we typically would like sit and watch movies with kids because we don't want to be like, oh, they let them watch and you go. We want to engage, interact, and talk about that later on. And we realize the power of that. But lately, I'm like, okay, we need to get back. We need to switch the game here. Like, let them, let's put on a movie for them. And let's, you and I just go sit outside, like, for, like, 30 minutes and breathe a little. And then we'll come back. And so, we, we you're, to your point, we have to constantly switch and test and experiment. The same thing we would do in a business setting. Right, right. So speaking of business, um, with your transformation that you've gone through, and I've gotten to know some of the folks at Terminus pretty well, you guys have a pretty vibrant culture. Yep. So what have you done? Because one of the things that I hear a lot is in terms of setting boundaries is this whole idea that it's all about personal. Well, it's not. We need to set boundaries in our work because as you said, 
and I feel the same way. I love what I do and I work extremely hard and there's value in hard work. So how have you taken what you've learned personally and infused that into the culture at Terminus to say, hey, there's value in what we do. We want to deliver quality for our customers, but there's also a time to turn it off. Yeah, it's it's important to note um, that all of this, if you're not living it, is very hard for people to say, go do it. So for me, all of this that I'm living it, like I'm not sending emails on weekends. I used to at midnight and 2 a.m. and all those things, right? Like, and, and get pissed when people didn't respond the next morning. People are like, why? They're sleeping? Like, what's wrong with them? So I've done it. Like, totally own it. Uh, but I don't do that anymore. I recognize the importance of it. Um, I, when I know I could respond to certain things, I, um, I take the time to respond to it and be more thoughtful around it. I try to block off time during the day and everybody can see my calendar is open as, as, so everybody can see all the blocks and I have a daily block every day of like, okay, this is the time that I'm going to respond to emails or respond to things or personal office hours if people want to chat and all those things. So it's all steps in a way where I think you have to just continue to practice it yourself, show it, fail at it a few times so people get to see that, okay, it's okay to fail and, and, and make sure that you are as open about it and talk and write and share that every single week, every single day. So to me, Carlos, I think it, I don't like, I have tried this, finding an article and sharing with the team, like, hey, look how awesome they are, <laughs> right? Or how awesome it's, they're doing, we should be doing that. And I realize it doesn't work. It doesn't work. What works is, okay, so what are you doing? How are you doing this thing? What's important to you? That's all really they care about on your team because if you represent them, then you need to be showing them and by doing, not by telling. So I, I, I've kept saying, I keep saying this internally a lot, is our priorities are what we do, not what we say. And that is a fundamental thing. Absolutely. So what does it do? Because I hear this a lot. I get asked this question. I I work for someone who is just working all the time. They tell me I don't have to respond. Yeah. But what does it do in your experience to an employee or a team member when it's Thursday night at 1030 and I just got an email from my boss? I hear what they're saying. But there's still that impulse to either respond to the email, respond to the text, open up the laptop. What is that dynamic like? Is that I don't think it's fair to our teams to do that. I think it's kind of a mind bend. But yeah. you you said you did it and experience. So what does that do to an employee in your experience? What was the feedback you received? I mean, it it, it kind of burns um, your employee. It's a hundred percent burnout. Like I have it in my. That's one of the reasons I switch it off on Friday now is because. When I check stuff, it stays in my brain, even if I don't respond. When I'm with my kids, it's still, I mean, my wife would tell me straight up, you're not listening to what I'm saying right now, are you? Like, you're just not there. I'm like, somehow, it's just a psychic ability to all of them. Like, well, I'm, I'm right now. I'm there with you. She's like, no, you're not. Join the club. <laughs> right? So all of these things, it's like eyes are just glazed out. Right? I, could, I totally, she gets it. So. All these things is we, we do it to ourselves and we do it to others. So if we do it, we're not even giving people the choice, honestly, 
to not think about it, not respond and stuff. Now, again, there are times that are important. There are times that needs to be addressed. Like, for example, uh, when we did events last year, if the event is happening Monday morning, I'm not switching it off on Friday and saying that we're not having conversations. We need to have hundreds of things. So it honestly, it comes down to setting expectations very clearly. And if people know what to expect, then they will respond to it very lovingly and fairly with that. People, and nobody comes to work thinking that I want to do a bad job. Uh, I want to be a shitty job doer today. Like nobody comes to it like that. Everybody wants to do the best work of their life and be proud of what they did. And, and I, I strongly, truly believe that. So what is it that causes that rift is the mismatch expectations between what somebody says, what somebody does, and you don't really know what to do. And it seems like it's never ending. So to me, it, it totally burns people out and it, it will burn you the relationships out. And what erodes in that is something that you won't get in your Amplify or employee score, which is the trust uh, until you see the glass door come up. Trust, obviously, in all of our relationships is foundational. And if you have employees that aren't trusting you, team members that aren't trusting you, you know, they may go and do it, but you can then have to ask the question, are they doing it with the best quality possible? Or are they doing it? It's like the little kid who says, you know, I may be sitting down, but inside I'm standing up. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And the, the right way to do to all of this is be straight up, be open about it. It might be hard at first, but the more you do it, I think what happens, at least what has happened to me, is that I, have, I, I sleep better at night. And that's the goal. That is my 100% goal is to go sleep and have a good night's sleep every night. If I can do that, then it's great. And for me to have a good night's sleep, and that's me, I need to make sure that I'm not planning any games. I'm not doing any schemes. I just did the best work I could. I just shared my heart out and go back and go home and sleep. You know, you can't put a price tag on peace of mind. Nope. So as a founder, as someone who has been, and I appreciate your transparency and sharing your mistakes and the things you've learned, there's still this idea out there of the hustle if you're going to make it, if you're going to be successful. And we're seeing that bleed into teams as we just talked about. What would you say to other professionals, whether they're a business owner, startup founder, entrepreneur, or executive? who's saying, I have got to burn the candle at both ends in order to make it professionally? I think there is a place and time for all of that. Um, I, I do believe that when, you, when you're crazy about something and you can't sleep, just talk about sleep, then you know that there's an idea brewing that you need to go do it. We all know as entrepreneurs that happens. And at that time, when you're at the, when you, there's fire in your belly and you need to take action, you need to take action. That's, that is something that is what makes great things happen in life. And you have to tell yourself at that time that this is something that I'm doing because I want to see it at a certain point. The problem is that certain point is never defined and never comes. And what we just keep going after another mountain, another mountain, another mountain, and we never know and we never look back how many mountains we have crossed, how many dead bodies are in the valleys. We just never see that. And sometimes it's us and parts of us in the process. So for me, is having a clear picture of success. So if, if I were to say, well, when we started Terminus, like I slept in the office. Uh, well, when we when we were actually making calls and stuff, I literally, my, Eric, my co-founder, has a picture of me. One of our sales reps was having a call, and 
I knew what how to pitch so well by that time. I would take a nap in between a call until the person reaches the point which I know that person will ask and I will wake up, do my pitch and go back to sleep while the salesperson is finishing the call. And he has a picture of that. So I've done it to the nth degree. And I, it's not that I'm ashamed of that. I feel like there was a time and place to do that because in those times and places, you got to do it. But you got to know what your picture of success looks like and where to stop. Where I failed was I just didn't define that. It, it, there was no end point to it. It was always on the mountain. And now I'm at a place where I feel like, no, I don't need to do it that way. Here's another way to do that. I'm, I'm going to be very, very, like I'm now I'm waking up earlier in the morning before the kids are up, getting my two, three hours work done before, and then spend time with kids. And so there are ways to now do these things and you start creating that. Um, but I, I think if you go overboard and just do that, you will burn out and it actually won't get the results that you're looking for, quite frankly. I agree with that. And when you're, so going back to that startup grind, which so many can relate to, or even uh, in an executive role or a, a professional role, you know, there's going to be potential seasons. Yeah. I'm curious on your take on how do you then have that discussion, that expectation um, setting with your partner? Oh, it's hard. Yeah, no, it's it's hard. I think if you're a good partner, you would see it, that it's bothering and it's hurting and it's it's not like that. So I, I have this firm belief that the, the and I call it the peak framework in, in a way, which is you have it, you got to have a clear picture of success. That's what P is for. You got to be extremely focused on it because you know that what it takes to get there is that one thing that you need to focus on. Combination of P and E, will get you any job in the world, will make you as much money as you possibly can. But the last two parts, the A and K, is where the real piece is, the real value is, which is authenticity and kindness. Now you combine those two with having a clear picture of success and extreme focus, and then you combine that with authenticity and kindness, you're going to have a great life. So we distinct, we, we almost, I feel a lot of times, and I've done this, we just separate it out and saying that we got to have a clear picture of success. Here we're going, uh, flip my funnel, and that's the world becoming, happening great. And we're going to do all these things. We're extremely focused on it. And you stop being authentic and kind to yourself, to the very people that believed in you and are sacrificing for you and are working with you. So this combination, there's a constant struggle in these two things, the picture of success, extreme focus, and then authenticity and kindness. And you, if you only have authenticity and kindness, but don't know where you're going, you're not going to be respected. And if you have picture and success and, and you are very much focused on where you're going to, where you want to go, you'll be respected, but nobody would want to ever work for you or with you. So it's that combination, right? So every executive, every leader, I feel, has to figure out what's their comfort level and clarity on all those things. Uh, without that, I think uh, I, burnout is the only word that comes out of me. Yeah, and I, I, I live that. And I would say it's not just professional burnout. You're actually going to reach a point of uh, what I call holistic burnout, emotionally, mm -hmm. mentally, physically, and spiritually, and, you know, hit that relational burnout, which you and I both experienced. And yeah. I, I'm sure you would agree that is not a fun place to be. 
it's not worth anything. It, it becomes this weird little thing. It was like, well, I just thought I'm a hero. Uh, I just thought that, you know, all these people love me because we are, because you go to dinners with them and events and all these things. And all of a sudden it's all empty. Happens, I think for everybody, but we give too much value to one over the other. So we have to recognize what's really important. And I would say a hundred times, like you said it before, like I love my work. I feel like it's God's gift to be able to work and to eat the fruits of your hands and labor is something that I feel like we all are born to do. So and I would never put work down, hard work down, like like you said. Uh, at the same time, I think there is there's this clarity in what your picture of success looks like. And that's a definition that each one of us have to have for ourselves. Absolutely. So I have so appreciated, first of all, you've taken the time to join us on the podcast today, but you've also just done a lot of great work recently on leadership. Uh, you're a, a frequent contributor on LinkedIn. You're doing some great videos. I think you're hosting a webinar now. And uh, if it wasn't 7 a.m. my time in Colorado, I'd be a frequent guest. But for those who are listening, um, and I would highly recommend they follow you, where can, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I just took that and said, like, that's what I'm going to focus on, a commitment I made a couple of years ago that I'll just focus on that in a daily post. Uh, but LinkedIn just started giving access to do LinkedIn Lives. So I'm doing at 9 a.m. Eastern every Monday and Wednesday, I'm just doing LinkedIn Live. So here's the thing, right? In a hustle mode, I would be doing it every day. In a thoughtful world, like I want to do that, but I'm going to do it two days a week and I'm going to be thoughtful. So that's the difference that has come into me as, as we got into it. But every Monday and Wednesday, 9 a.m., I'm literally having people jump in, ask questions about marketing, uh, talk about jobs, talk about different things. Uh, some, a lot of times I'll have guests who come on that that are pre-planned, uh, but it's 30 minutes, get bump up. Uh, one, one of the promises I made myself was when COVID happened, that I would not post, I would post not a single thing about it. Not a single, because I'm not an expert, I don't know. The only thing I would do is create hope over fear. And the only way I knew how to create hope was to just find people who are actually creating things as opposed to just speculating about things. And that's what that 9am live uh, on LinkedIn has been all about. I love it. Well, go follow Sangram. He is a wealth of knowledge, as you can tell, extremely transparent and willing to share from his experience. So thank you. It's good to see your face, brother. I know you won't see him on the podcast. I love you. And thanks for taking the time. Love you too, man. God bless you and God bless everybody who's listening to this. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. This will bring our conversation with Sangram to a close. All of the information on him, we will post in the show notes. And thank you for joining us and make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Hope, Connection, and Relief podcast. You can find more information about today's guest in our show notes and discover more resources to help you define work-life boundaries and get more from your personal and professional relationships by visiting us on carlosandsuzanne.com.